Welcome back to our podcast, Chronically Iconic Mistakes. I'm your host, Jocelyn. And your co-host, Raya. Today, we're going over the Lost Girls of Panama case. And this is one of those cases that literally have a cult following, just like Dyatlov's past. Literally so much as... (laughs) I don't know why I said literally so much. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear the notice. (laughs) I said it like eight times. Anyways... A lot of us have heard of this case. Um, I'm genuinely surprised if you haven't at least just like briefly seen some photos because it circulated quite a bit and it became one of those cases that the public had their hands on and were trying to solve for literally years. And I haven't checked in on this case in so long that I didn't realize how much new information is out there and how many theories and how many people are still trying to solve this case. Mm -hmm. So I really just wanted to share it with everybody. So get ready to be surprised because I've literally never heard. Are you serious? (laughs) I'm dead serious. (laughs) Unless like, I don't know, my brain just forgot, but like I don't remember hearing anything. So this is all new to me. Well, that's kind of exciting because maybe you'll have like some fresh eyes on the case since I went in already having probably some biases. Yeah. And like the amount of like time, you should be getting paid by the hour for this episode because (laughs) you... You put in a lot of time. I genuinely became obsessed and I 100% understand how people will literally dedicate their life to one case because I don't know if I can ever fully let this case go. Yeah, Jacqueline's here at four in the morning like, I didn't go to sleep last night. It's, It's so bad and I've never had a case like just stick in my head like this. Like obviously I research and I think about them a lot, but this one is just like, I couldn't stop for weeks. Well, like, it's good, too, because somebody needs to, like, pay attention to it. Yeah, this is a case that I feel like really could be solved, but unfortunately, because of the location it happened in, I'm not sure if we'll ever have a definitive answer. So, Panama, um, do you think it's just because of their laws and, like, they just don't put enough resources in there? I do. I think that they're more concerned about tourism and I will kind of go over that more in my theory at the end because I did Mm -hmm. come up with a slightly different theory than everybody else when I was reviewing this case and I want to save it to the end because I want to give you guys the facts. I don't want to give you something that I just like came up with um, but I do want to share it because it is a different perspective and when a case has been cold for this long I think it's okay for us to have theories and come up with new ideas to try and help it move along. Yeah absolutely so if we ever like book a trip to Panama and solve this case you guys are welcome. Yes I would actually 100% be down to do that as long as we take um, Mike with us just because It does sound like Panama has a lot of sexism still alive and well. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was researching this case, I found quite a few quotes where people were actually talking about how men aren't quite like they are here. Um, If you accept a drink in America, typically it's okay to not have strings attached. Like you might talk for a second, you could move on, and you're typically not going to get murdered. It does still happen. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but that's... You know, it's a little more relaxed here. So they basically think, you owe me because I got you a drink even though you didn't ask. Absolutely. If you accept a drink, if you accept a ride, if you accept literally any small favor from a man in Panama, it is assumed that you are leading them on. And they can actually become very embarrassed and very enraged 
when if you accept something like that and then go, hey, no, like, you know, I just was accepting help. I wasn't like interested in you. And violence is actually very common in that situation, especially with tourists. Man, y'all be safe out there. Women who travel Panama, you know, I do believe that you can do it safely, but I do think it's important that you know that that is a part of their culture still. That way you can make safe choices of when a man offers you a ride and you're not interested in them, you know, I'm not going to accept this ride. It's actually not safe. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because people who just go there traveling, it's not like there's a sign like don't accept anything from anybody. Like Exactly. And I actually would have never, I would have never known this. And I mean, at the age that these women traveled, I, I would have never even been aware of things like that. I absolutely would have accepted rides or help when I needed it um, because you're a lot more trusting when you're younger. Yeah, that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, so I mean... Let's get this show showing, you know? Like, let's get into this crazy case. (laughs) Buckle up, guys. It is a long one, and I will be doing a part two that goes over connected cases because this is still happening to this day. Yes, let's get started. In 2014, two Dutch students, Lysane and Chris, decided to give back to the community by volunteering in Costa Rica and Panama. Both girls had recently graduated from university, but... Chris has planned on continuing her education upon her return. I gather that both girls were, like, literally bleeding hearts just because Lysane majored in applied psychology and Chris focused on cultural social education. Mm -hmm. So we know these girls are just wanting to help. They're going to help anybody who asks. Yeah, and this is already sad because they're literally just here to give back. They are, and I mean... These girls were exceptionally young. I mean, despite their accomplishments, Lysane was born in 1991 and Chris in 1992. I was born in 1992, and I can't even imagine if my life had ended as early as 2014. Yeah, that's not enough to, like, accomplish everything you really want to. No, and I mean, they just got out of school. One had plans to go back. I mean, they haven't even started a career or, I mean, even a steady relationship. Yeah. Now, like most friends, their personalities balanced one another out. Um, Listen, (laughs) I can't talk. Lysane was known to be quite shy, and Chris was very outspoken. Um, Raya and I actually have this in our relationship, and honestly, I think it keeps one another sane. On our vacation, it's gonna help tremendously, though. It's gonna be. I'll just, like, yell at anybody that's rude, and you'll just be like, dude, calm down. (laughs) Yeah, I'll keep you from not murdering people. It's gonna be great. And this trip was very special to the girls. They had saved up for a very long time and were committed to helping children instead of just having a nice vacation. The girls knew that this would literally change their lives forever, And it did, just not in the way that it should have. So on March 15th of 2014, the girls took flight and landed in Costa Rica after a brief layover in Texas. Now, initially, they landed in San Jose, but they took a boat over to Becos del Toro. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. Nobody come for me. I can't even pronounce English. That was the whitest way to say that. (laughs) I know. I'm really sorry. But Lysane journaled that San Jose was very dangerous and she'd never be caught dead there. 
Chris described their travel in her journal and does mention that they believe they were scammed because they were told to pay money for a passport sticker before getting to the actual checkpoint where they then felt like they couldn't trust anyone. So we're already feeling a little uncomfortable. They're already finding like, hey, we can get scammed pretty easily. They don't speak the language. And I mean, clearly I fucking don't either. Right, and I can't imagine that these people aren't, like, super pushy, too, especially, like, you're in a new area. Absolutely. Yeah. And despite the difficult travel, once in Boca, it sounded like a delightful vacation. Despite putting a lot of their time into Spanish class, Lysane went as far as journaling that she could live there for literally the rest of her life. Well, that's nice that they had a good vacation. Yeah, definitely. And now during their time in Boca, the girls met two guys with who they spent a lot of their time. There are photos recovered from their belongings of them playing cards during a stormy day and spending what looked to be a really great day at the beach. The girls seemed very comfortable with them, and their relationship doesn't seem to be nefarious whatsoever. I feel like this is how every, like, movie starts with, like where the girls end up missing. They meet some guys in a strange country. Absolutely. And I hate to say it, but looking back on this part of the case, now that I've done so much research, I truly believe that the men that they were with during this time of their vacation actually could have been protecting them without them ever knowing, because locals are a lot less likely to try and offer you those favors if you're with a man. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of it like that. And unfortunately, when they leave Boca, they do split up with their friends, so they no longer have a man with them. Mm. Not that I like the concept of that. I truly believe women can travel solo and they don't need a man, but hindsight is twenty twenty when I'm looking at this case. Yeah, unfortunately, that's just not the reality that we live in. It should be, but... Yeah, it's really unfortunate. And something that I did find especially cute is that Lysane actually journaled about how kittens were just, like, everywhere, even in the shower, and she just, like, really enjoyed that. Okay, yeah, I would enjoy that, too. Yeah, it sounded super cute. And after two Mm -hmm. beautiful weeks in Boca, their dream vacation came to an end, and the girls headed to Bouquet in March 29th. And this is where things begin to get a little strange. The volunteer agency sent the girls to their volunteer assignment. And despite confirming multiple times before their arrival, they were not given a warm welcome when they arrived on assignment. In fact, they were immediately turned away and told they did not need any volunteers. Do you think the volunteer company was like one of those, you know how people go to like save people? I absolutely believe that these volunteers potentially had some kind of involvement And we'll get really into this, but I just find it very suspicious Mm -hmm. how they were turned away and they are later encouraged to go on the hike where they disappear. So you are dead on with that. I do think they did. And later, this is especially suspicious considering both the travel agent who assisted in setting up the trip and Chris's father received an email literally three days before confirming their assignment. So, I mean, not only the girls, but her father the travel agent, all confirmed with this volunteer company that they were going to have somewhere to work when they got there. I wonder if they, like, called the volunteer company back and was like, what the hell? I honestly cannot give you a straight answer on that because there is just so many stories that changed with so many witnesses. At one point, Mm -hmm. they say, 
oh, we were surprised. At another point, it sounds like they had canceled it themselves. There's a lot of just really conflicting information. That's really suspicious. It is. And now the girls didn't speak Spanish well, but all sources say that despite this, it was a clear message. Like they knew they weren't friendly and they knew they did not want them there. Which, can you imagine how scary that would be? I mean, they expected to have this like literally life-changing experience volunteering in a different country, giving back, and they can't understand the language so they show up to just this hostile conversation. Yeah, it must have been really confusing, especially like now they're in a hostile kind of situation and what are they going to do? Yeah, and of course they're going to be like, okay, okay, we'll get out of here. Like they're not, they can sense mm-hmm. the tone of voice, I'm sure. And they just want out of the situation because when you're young, you can't speak the language. There's, you're in this foreign country. I mean, that's terrifying. Did I ever mention like what they were there to volunteer for? So I know that they worked with children and I believe this particular assignment um, was actually just to give like children with intellectual disabilities um, some stimulation. So they do like various um, tasks to kind of help them learn and keep them busy, that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. So I mean, later on, the head of the school had the nerve to complain that the girls didn't know Spanish. And that was the main reason for turning them away. Why would they... Did they know they were coming from somewhere that... They absolutely (laughs) knew that they were coming, and not to mention that this service offers Spanish classes that they were attending. So it's got to be well known that they didn't speak the language in the first place. Yeah, and I don't know. If you're there to volunteer, there's ways to, like, talk to people, but not knowing their language still. Absolutely. You know? And I mean, today it's a lot easier. I mean, we have Google Translate. Like, I can literally hold up my watch and have somebody speak to me if I wanted. But this is back when we didn't have stuff like that. I mean, you have to think, like, mm-hmm. they were carrying, like, just... Like, they had an iPhone, but it was, like, probably one of the first iPhones. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, to me, it, it kind of looks like they got there and, like, they were immediately turned away. So how did they know that they didn't speak any Spanish? That's very true, too. I mean, I don't know how long the conversation lasted. It sounded like she, you know, later in interviews said that they understood. But if you know so quickly that they don't speak the language, how did you know they understood everything? I mean, they probably just heard your tone and left. Yeah. So... I don't know, but what I do know is that Lysane did not take the rejection well, and I mean, I completely understand. Like I said, you're in a foreign country, and the moment your plans don't go well, I know that it feels very heavy. And plans falling apart, I mean, that just feels so much more serious when you're out of place. Yeah, and like, the whole reason they went is to volunteer, so like... Exactly, like, I'm sure that they were absolutely crushed that they couldn't give back Mm -hmm. to this community which was the entire purpose of their vacation Mm -hmm. not to mention that the girls were staying with a host family that they didn't really sound too comfortable with and i mean simply because it was new housing and they couldn't communicate very well i don't think that there was anything necessarily bad going on Um, the host family interviewed as caring and are known to host often but you could tell that there was just a disconnect there and in their journals they were pretty uncomfortable you know, I think it's just very weird to go into a host family yes. already. Like, like you feel, 
you know, this isn't my home, you know, I don't know anything about these people, so anything could have, you know, triggered that response. Exactly, and these girls are really feeling that. Um, I mean, their journal is just like, I don't know how to act, I don't know what to do, like, I just, it's so new. Mm-hmm. And Miriam was their host, um, I guess you could call her, like, mother, whatever, and she recalled that the girls were very restless, and she did spend some time offering suggestions on how to spend their time, like in a Spanish class done by a different volunteer company. And I mean, they don't speak the language, so this probably took them a while to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> she even admitted that, like, you know, I did my best to, to offer these options, but we didn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the girls had actually already tried there, and it didn't lead to anything. I mean, in addition, she recalled wondering if Lysane had asthma because she was coughing a lot. And there doesn't seem to be any real source to confirm this. So she could have just had a cold. I mean, she's disappointed and she's likely sick. This this isn't a a feel-good vacation at this point. Do you, I don't know if you said this before, but do you remember how long they, they were supposed to be in this country? Yeah, so, um, I think they only had a week or so left. They were coming to the end of it, and I can, I can look that up for you. But so they were only there for like maybe two or three weeks in total. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy, okay. but there was a lot of travel because you know they they start in one area and now they're in Panama and stuff. Okay. Um, despite feeling unwell, the girls did decide to go out and about. They walked around Bouquet to learn more about the culture and get what they could out of the experience. The girls didn't give up on their volunteer work though. They exhausted all resources to try and find a way to get back to the community. And unfortunately, all their efforts did fall through, but they were able to attend another Spanish class called Spanish by the River. So they're still attending their Spanish class, but, you know, I'm sure they're still disappointed. And it's very strange to me that they were never able to find another volunteer opportunity, considering that particular agency has a lot of connections. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, why isn't the agency reaching out like, hey, sorry about the confusion, like, exactly. here you go. I don't The whole thing is sus. Since their volunteer work wasn't going to happen, they began spending their time on local tours and various day trips to see all the fun touristy stuff like volcanoes. By Tuesday, the girls had decided to hike. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm going to butcher all of these names. Do not hate me. Pianista Trail. But we're going to call it Panama Cloud Trail because that is the English translation. (laughs) So was this hike, like, something you would do or something I would do? Like, how fierce This is is something that I would do. And even for me, I was, like, a little taken aback by the hike because it's really not that bad. But there is one portion of it where you have to go across and it's literally just, like, two lines. Like, you put your feet on a line. And you have, like, a, a line to hold on your hand and you go across the river. Yeah, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not. Like, I would, yeah, I would do it, but I actually, like, would struggle with it a bit just because, fuck that. Are, are they, like, connected to anything or just, like, if you fall, you're dead? Oh, no, like, if you fall, you're probably going to have a bad time, but I don't think you would die. You would just be in a river. So are these girls, like, hikers or is this new to them? It sounds like they did hike frequently and that they were in shape. However, it we know that Lysane was potentially sick or had asthma. And mm-hmm. she also journals about her foot being swollen. And you can see it in pictures. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how well this hike would have went. But what I do know is that you can do the hike in like two to three hours, even if you're not in shape. Okay. So I mean, 
they should have been okay, even if they had something like that happening. Okay. And the girls were sure to alert their loved ones of their hike by posting on Facebook before loading up a local dog into a taxi, which took them to the beginning of the trail. Little did the girls know this would be the last hike they would ever take. Wait a minute. Before loading up a local dog? Oh, yeah. Like an actual dog? Yep. So there was a local dog. It was a husky, and his name was Blue. And I don't know if they just, like had a bond with this dog um but it did live nearby their host family it was like the owners worked at like a restaurant so they took that dog with them um i'm just assuming because they liked him and he kind of wanders it sounds like oh my gosh that's so cool though i know i really loved that like my only question though is if they did have to pass that like weird bridge how'd the dog get across well how far up is the bridge Well, and this was the dry season, though, so I guess maybe they didn't, maybe they could have just walked across, because that's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, or, like, I don't know. I really... We'll go with that. If the dog wanders enough, too, though, like, I'm sure they just expect it to turn back. I mean, dog ownership is a lot different in other countries. Yeah, and they didn't, like, own the dog, so I'm sure the dog just, like... Did whatever. And and the dog does make it home. He doesn't get, like, lost or anything. Yeah, let's preface that. Just, yeah, I'm just gonna throw it out there now. Like, don't worry about the dog. <laughs> this isn't a da- uh, dead dog story, No, guys. I will, I usually will warn you guys if that's in, like, before we even start. Now, it's hard to get an exact timeline of the events that followed because there are so many inconsistencies in what we know, but I'll do my best to lay out what happened to these two Literally beautiful souls. Not sure why I'm obsessed with literally, literally today, but... You know, it works. It's, it's good, it's good. So according to the taxi driver, the girls began their hike at approximately 1.40 p.m. However, based on evidence, the true start time would have been around 11 a.m., which makes way more sense because I don't know who begins a fucking hike so late in the afternoon. Like, even if you think you're going to make it back on time, you should plan way more extra time to make sure you're good. Doesn't, like, taxi drivers have, like, speedometer thingies that tell you the time? So, they probably do in our country. I'm not sure about Panama mm-hmm. at this time frame, um, especially just because I've heard other country taxi drivers are kind of known to scam you with money and shit like that. So, if they had those, it would be mm-hmm. harder to do, I think. What we do know is that the last time the girls contacted family was 2 p.m. And it didn't okay. seem that the girls planned a long hike. And if they did, they certainly weren't prepared based on how lightly they packed. Literally all they took with them was some extra shorts and tanks, a little cash, phones, a digital camera, because this is 2014 and cell phone cameras are like really bad, and some snacks. All right, so they weren't planning on like, if they get in trouble, this is what we have packed. Yeah, clearly they weren't. I mean, personally, even with a hike like this, like they're going through a small part of jungle, I would have at least 10 pounds on my back to make sure that we had water. You know, and to be honest, it's 2014, so maybe they didn't think the hike was as, like, vigorous as maybe now we know? Well, it's hard to say that just because the volunteer company did actually do, like, an orientation, and they specifically warned them about this hike. Oh, that they warned them about that hike, but now that, you know, your volunteer experiences will go terrible. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like, out of all the things to be prepared about. Um, but, and it wasn't even necessarily like, hey, this is vigorous. It's just that they were like, hey, you should probably have a tour guide first off because you're okay. not from here. 
but also um, some people would wander off past the summit and they would go to some waterfalls. Um, did they have a tour guide? They did not for this. Oh, okay. Tour guides do come into this a little bit later and I'll go over it, um, but they did not for this particular hike. The girl's camera shows a typical hike for two girls. I mean, it looks like they took turns taking photos of one another next to the incredible landscape. But at some point, like, the hike took a really dark turn, and the local dog they took with them returned to its owner without the girls. Wow. The owners became concerned and alerted the host family who searched the area around their home for the girls. And despite finding no trace of them, the host family decided to wait it out. I mean, after all, they don't even speak the same language as the girls, and communication is difficult. Not to mention, they don't even know these girls well. This could be totally normal for them. Right, maybe the girls decided to go do some other stuff or whatever. Yeah, they have no idea their general dependability. There's nothing to judge here. Yeah. Now, the host mother's story does change in interviews. Later on, she is quoted saying that she actually had no idea the girls were even missing, and she had left breakfast for them before heading out the next morning. I guess, when did the host mothers, like, tell people, like, yeah, I knew they were missing? Was it just in an article you found? So it sounds like that's originally, like, the story when, like, this went down and they were being interviewed. Hmm. A lot of these later on interviews are, like, media interviews after the fact. Yeah, and I'm sure it's been a while, so she probably doesn't even remember everything, to be honest. You know, I want to agree with you there, but the story is so vastly different. I mean, in one version, you're searching the premises, and in another, you didn't know they were gone. Oh, yeah, so it's, like, completely different, not, like... It's completely different. I mean, she's even adding a detail of, oh, I left them breakfast, Mm. you know, before I headed out. Okay, yeah, that's suspicious. A little bit. That's really strange. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of this. There's a lot of, here's my initial story, and then media gets involved, and suddenly it's different. So it's not just her. Maybe she was threatened, like, to change her story. I think that that is exactly why so many stories have changed. Alright, so I'm not, like, being crazy? No. You, (laughs) honestly, be as paranoid as you want with this case, because chances are you might be right. It's, It's just so out there. There's so many variables and so many things that have changed that really just makes you question, do we know everything? Yeah, because, like, I don't know. I don't know what happens in Panama, but I'm sure they have, like, dangerous people there like we do here. They do, and that is one of our main theories that we'll get into shortly. All right, let's do it. Strangely, a local guide named Feliciano Gonzalez of Feliciano Tours said that the girls had a walking tour scheduled with him at 8 a.m. the next day. When the girls didn't show, for whatever reason, Feliciano became more concerned than is probably normal for a guide, and he went to their host family's home. He actually went into their room... And has been quoted in interviews as saying that he saw their phones, along with some of their belongings in the room. He also alerted their family, along with a staff member from the volunteer company. Um, yeah, so I don't know customs and stuff, but, like, is that normal to just be like, ah, I'm gonna go in the room and be an investigator? I don't think that it is. And we're gonna talk a lot about Feliciano as we go through. But my initial intuition is telling me that that is very off, especially because we know the girls took their phones on the hike. Well, like, to be this invested, you had to have, like, you know, previous contacts with them, in my opinion. 
And by April 3rd, the authorities did a foot and aerial search for the girls, but they had no luck of finding them. How many days was that, do you know, since they went missing? It's been 24 hours, and then they start looking. And so we're, I think we're on day two. Okay, well, I mean, that's not as bad as I was thinking. No, that's pretty quick, especially, you know, they're overseas and stuff. Yeah. On April 6th, the family flew to Bouquet to join their search, and a $30,000 reward was offered for any new information. Weeks went by. Months went by. And there was no movement happening in this case until June 11th when a hiker happened upon Lassane's backpack in almost perfect condition. The backpack was found almost 14 hours away from the location that the girls should have been hiking. That's a long time to, like, not find a backpack, too. And, I mean, let's talk about how the backpack is just sitting there pristine. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Very strange. So are you thinking, like, maybe somebody just put it there to, like, get people off the trail? That would be my guess. The backpack contents included an iPhone and a Samsung phone because I ain't never seen two best friends carry the same brand of phone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of them gotta be an Apple user and the other is Samsung. Yeah, and the Apple users are a lot better. Mm, I'm sorry, Samsung is better. Mm -mm. In addition, it contained a camera, sunglasses, two bras, a single candy, one water bottle, Lysane's ID, and a keychain with a small lock. The small lock does appear in a photo on the bed that was photographed before the backpack finding, and one pair of sunglasses doesn't quite match up with the sunglasses that Lysane was wearing in photos. Oh, okay. And remember, I mentioned that the tour guide had seen their phones in their room before this bag was ever found. Yes, you did. But the bag had the phones in it. Man. Yeah, tour I, guide. I can't shake the tour guide. It's in my theory. Just wait. <laughs> and what is most suspicious is that the woman handed the bag off to the local guide we talked about previously, who then gave it to the police when they could get there the next day. Um, that's like, what? You know that he... Is someone you should be handing that backpack to? Like, I really just hate, I hate how much this tour guide has, has, he's just had his hands all over evidence. Yeah, it's like he's, like, made people aware beforehand, like, if you find anything. Or maybe the woman and him know each other. Exactly. You, you know that criminals are more likely to return to the crime scene. So when you find evidence, they can say, well, I was there during the search. Mm Mm-hmm textbook i mean how are we not more interested in this man yeah and i mean some people can say well he was like the best tour guide he could easily get to the backpack i mean it was in basically the jungle but it just does not sit right with me but he didn't find the backpack a woman handed him the backpack exactly like he had to go there get it and then bring it to where the police can get it Like, it's like he even told anybody, hey, if you ever find anything, just call me, like. Yeah, it's really suspicious. Police believe that the wet season had provided the right conditions to push the bag downstream and become visible. However, I mean, looking at the photos of the backpack really makes me question if this could even be possible. I mean, it's immaculate. (laughs) Wouldn't a bag be more beaten up floating around? Yeah, like, unless the river is, like, freaking pristine as well. And, like, I don't know. I don't know. That's just weird. That's a stupid theory, police. 
Well, and I mean, the police were able to recover photos from their digital camera and phone. Yeah. Wouldn't there be significant water damage had it floated down a freaking river? Yeah, what the fuck kind of backpack is it like? Exactly. And as far as I know, it's just a regular backpack. It's not waterproof. And I mean, the phones had minimal water damage, but not enough for me to think this thing's going down a river. Yeah, I mean, even like waterproof backpacks, you can't submerge them for like exactly miles and miles and expect them to not. Yes, and know? even the forensic analysis of the backpack really doesn't seem to indicate that the bag spent a lot of time floating in a river. I mean, there was some minor tearing that really could have been simply from traveling the world, but I don't think it was in a river. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense to me. No. Now, after 13 samples, there were three types of DNA found on the backpack. They all belonged to different people, two women and one man. However, they were never able to match that DNA to anyone because the investigators dropped the fucking ball and never bothered to even match it against the DNA from those involved in this case. (laughs) So, I mean, this was literally a dead fucking end. And I think it's super suspicious considering they never found Chris or Lassane's DNA on the bed. Like, how? Yeah, it's almost like they were kind of dragging their feet. It is. And in addition, over 34 fingerprints were found on their belongings, but these may have been the police's because they didn't wear fucking gloves when inspecting the evidence. They should all be fired. Like, that. I know that, and I am not a police officer. <laughs> like, guys, this is the basics. The bar is on the goddamn floor. Yeah, and you went to hell. Like, what? <laughs> You went to hell. That just hit me. That <laughs> was really good. I know. I was like, damn. I came it took me a minute. Like- I was like, wait. <laughs> they were playing some limbo, okay? <laughs> a single fingerprint was usable and sent for investigation. Yet, it was never ran against anyone who was involved in finding the evidence or the case really in general. I would love to see their, like, evidence room because it's probably just filled of like things that they're just like oh we'll collect these and never run them never do anything with them and i shouldn't be laughing while i'm reading this out but it's just probably one of the worst investigations i've ever talked about yeah and we've talked about some shit oh yeah we've had some bad cases but you have all of this stuff you're not even gonna run it (laughs) yeah like why collect it if you're not gonna run it exactly what's the purpose just to Hang on to it? What are you guys, fucking weirdos? Yeah, I don't, I really don't know what's going on. One of the bras did have six fingerprint samples that failed DNA profiles, but there was a sixth that was actually from an institute's employee, which is kind of strange, right? I mean, it's on a bra. Yeah, and also they ran those, but not the other one? Isn't that a really great question? (laughs) Why? Why are you guys picking and choosing fingerprints? It's it's like they're trying to make this case more complicated. Like, do you have, do you need money to run them? Because I'll give you some money. And I mean, that could be a thing. Um, testing is far more expensive than I ever expected. But when it's a case like this, I mean, they have Panama working on it. And they have the Dutch government working on it. And I'm sure that whatever type of, like, FBI that they have for over there was working on it. I don't know, like... You know what I mean? I don't know. Are other countries have FBI? Like, is that a stupid question? 
It's probably called something else, but I'm sure they do. Yeah, they have to, right? Yeah. So there was some foliage in the bag, but investigators failed to identify them. So we don't really, like, it didn't, you know, give us, like, a location or anything. Because sometimes you can, like, identify foliage that might only be in a certain place. Yeah, that makes sense. But But they weren't able to do that. I don't Mm -hmm. know why. They probably could. They just didn't want to. I have to agree with that. And despite very minor water damage, like I said before, they were able to gain a timeline from the girls' devices. And this is where things just give me fucking shivers. Let's do it. By 4.30 p.m., the girls had already ran into trouble and made their first call to emergency services. They tried both 112 and 911. They didn't have service and their calls never made it through man yes and i mean i guess i shouldn't say it never made it through but there was one call later on that got like seconds Mm. i feel like that might even be worse than just not making it through at all it is because we never i mean we never got to hear what was going on we never got any details they were never able to track it yeah and the girls were probably super hopeful and yeah we have no idea what happened that day and that one call If it had just gone through long enough, we probably could have saved their lives. Mm -hmm. The girls didn't have service again until day two, when they made four more emergency calls throughout the day. And whoever made the call must have been frantic, because they even took a screenshot of the dial pad while doing so. While it was never released by the police, the girls did have one phone call make it through to emergency services for two seconds before the call was lost. There's no evidence to tell us if they lost connection or if someone intervened with the call. Man, that is so awful because, like, while you're telling this story, like, I want to know what the hell happened. I want to know so badly. Yeah, we just will never know. What we do know is that the phone was turned off shortly after. So maybe it died, are you thinking? Oh, no, it didn't die. Phones were turned on again on day three. Oh. Lassane's was turned on twice in two er, twice at 2 a.m. to check the weather and an unknown application. At 9.32 in the morning, the iPhone called 911 twice before being powered off again. The iPhone was powered on and her host mother's name was searched in WhatsApp before being powered off. The Samsung phone was powered on and off once more before no longer having battery. I wonder if they were trying to save battery by doing that, but I feel like now we know, like, that wastes battery more, right? Yeah, and I don't I don't recall if at this time frame we had, like, the battery saving option where it literally only lets you make, like, calls. No, I don't think so. I don't so. think so either. So, I mean, they probably thought they were doing what was best if it was even them. Well, I just don't know why Why would somebody turn, keep turning on and off the phone to think, like, it would be tracked or something? Or That is possibly one theory because we do have pings. So we could kind of almost tell where they were at just because, you know, you've hit certain cell towers in certain locations. Right. But I don't know if it was them on their phones. And I'll tell you why as we go. Oh my gosh, you're making me wait. Yeah. At 10.30 a.m., the iPhone was turned on and off. And then again at 13.42. What fucking time is that? Why did I do that? It's It's one. Thank you. I don't know military time. It's really embarrassing. The iPhone was turned on and off properly one last time at 1030 in the morning. After this, someone did try to log into the phone, but entered the incorrect pin on multiple occasions. 
you do not need to log into a phone to make emergency calls, so it's strange that there were no more calls attempted. So, somebody stole the phones? Either somebody stole the phones, or somebody felt like they needed to stage these girls being lost. Oh, I don't know why I didn't think of that one. We'll go into it a bit more, but I tend to lean towards that. Yeah, that one makes kind of more sense. What's even more strange is that the Samsung device did create a log file at 1.14pm that day which requires power. If you remember correctly, the phone was dead and it's 2014. It's not like there's a battery share yet. The phone was not used, but it at least attempted to start. On day six, the iPhone continued to get used with the wrong pin code. There were many attempts made with the incorrect pin code and investigators do believe that this was a third person who did not know the pin because they can't think of a reason for that many errors to be made. Why would you keep trying? <laughs> I have a theory on this, and I shouldn't say I have a theory, it's a theory. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna die by the end of this. There, there's so many theories. There were also many attempts to just swipe the phone's screen with no actions made after swiping. This is strange because like we talked about, she could have made an emergency call. So swiping is really just a waste of battery. However, a YouTuber noted that this particular iPhone model could actually be unlocked without the pin code by swiping the screen and then doing various steps. One of those steps happens to be taking a screenshot while simultaneously holding the home screen and power button. If you remember, there was a screenshot taken on day two of the call screen. Yeah, I'm just wondering why now they're having issues. Well, it is a very difficult way to unlock a phone. Mm. So I don't know if, like, they just couldn't get it to work again. And we really don't know if they ever were able to get in. Because I don't know if it would log the same way. Maybe I'm stupid, but I didn't know, like, phone activity could be tracked like this. Yeah, it can be. Um, my guess is it's held somewhere on the phone. Mm -hmm. There was no phone activity on day 7 through 8, which is suspicious because their camera was used to take 90 photos on their digital camera. However, neither of the girls are pictured in the photos. All the photos are taken at night as if they were trying to use the flash to light up the landscape. However, the angles and the way they're taken is just really strange. A large, a large portion of the photos is pointing up. If I were trying to use the flash to see, I mean, I would point it forward. Yeah, it's almost like somebody's laying on the ground. And that could have been happening. Um, but eventually we get side photos, mm. and the photos almost seem to have a pattern. Okay. But we were never able to put the pattern together. Chris's iPhone continues to be turned on and off for 11 days, but it is used less and less, and it begins deviating from the clear pattern that can be seen in the girl's attempt to call for help. Something that the Cootie Cost blog pointed out is that it's a very long time for an iPhone battery to last, especially in 2014. And she points out that maybe there was an intervention in keeping that battery going. Yeah, I thought it would have died way sooner than this. Yeah, me too. And what really chills me to the bone is that there were no texts sent to emergency services or family. They didn't even write any notes in the phones. I mean, typically when you find items from someone who is simply lost on their way when they're hiking, they make every attempt they can to say goodbye to their loved ones. And to me, this is proof that the girls were never lost. This was foul play. 
Yeah, this is all just extremely strange, and none of it makes sense, so... Absolutely. It does not make any sense. Some believe that whoever had the phones after their deaths could have logged in and deleted any messages or photos they had on their phones. I mean, this is plausible considering there were photos deleted from the camera that were somehow never recovered, but this if it was a text and it did go out, which it would be more likely to go out via text... We would have seen them in records. Nothing is ever truly deleted. No, and I mean, really quick, I want to add a little bit of, like, IT info here. If you are lost and you can't get service, you need to use your texts. They're far more likely to go through when you get service because texting is actually, like, a store and forward system. It will send eventually if you can get, like, a second of service. Don't do that shit where they update your voicemail message. It actually won't fucking do anything. So now y'all know you gotta send some texts. Text away. Text away. Tell everybody what's going on. And for fuck's sake, like, record a video. If you ever get a, a not, a, like, a ominous text message from somebody you know, like, fucking look into it, too. Don't just be like, oh, they might be texting in their sleep. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a thing. Like, <laughs> please don't, guys. Like, <laughs> Netherland investigators noticed that We cannot rule out that the date was altered on the phones by a third party to make it seem as if the girls had made these calls. However, it is strange that if this was done purposefully that they would enter the incorrect PIN. And I mean, I guess we can't rule out that they altered the phone calls, but I mean, you're going to see it on the cell carrier's records, so Mm -hmm. I think that that can't be changed. Right. Another theory is that the women were so disoriented that they could no longer remember the PIN, or that Chris was the first to pass away and Lysane didn't actually know her pin. However, I mean, if we were lost in the fucking jungle, I would tell my friend my pin immediately so we both could use either phone. Then again, I'm an advanced hiker and I have to remember that others may not think of these things. I mean, we never know how we'll react in an emergency. Yeah, there's those, you know, flight or fight, and but there's also freeze, so... People, yeah, that's true. People might just, like, lose every sense of, like, emergency that they have and know. And... Yeah, that's absolutely a thing. So, I mean, it, they really could have just not thought about it. Mm-hmm. Something else that really bothers me about this case is that the photos that were found on their digital camera are clearly photoshopped. Okay. <laughs> Before I even read about the photoshop theory, there were a few photos that immediately screamed shopped to me. The main photo is one of Lysane standing at the top of the mountain smiling. What's funny to me is that everyone points out how disproportionate she is and all of these minor details, but I haven't seen anyone mention how the background behind her right arm is, like, either not the correct background or the lighting doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Not to mention, there is this massive missing pixel right underneath her armpit. And then when you zoom in, you can clearly see the clone tool was used. I mean, there's matching pixels tracking up one area. Okay, and I don't think, like, cameras back then, you you had to probably load them off Photoshop and load them back on, right? Like, you can't yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah. So, so the theory is that somebody was there with them that didn't want to be known that they were there with them. There is some theories about that. And I, at first I was like, oh, well, you know, these weren't released officially ever. Maybe the people who got them first, like it was mainly through family. Maybe they just like photoshopped something. But the more I thought about it, the more none of this photo timeline makes any sense. (laughs) 
Also, like, they wouldn't take the time to load them back onto the camera either. Well, here's the I thing, don't though. Think. They were, I don't think they were ever officially released. So the information we have may not always be correct. Right. But it still seems really weird because we still, like, there's a lot of info on EXIF data. There's a lot of info on, like, the um, order of the photos. So somewhere, someone has seen this. Um, for us that are not photographers, what's EXIF data? Sure. So EXIF data is anytime you take a photo, um, especially on, like, a digital camera, it's typically going to have EXIF data. And what EXIF data is, is, like, the, the date it was taken. Um, sometimes location, if you have a device like your phone, if you have it mm. set up, it might tag that location in there. Um, you know, there's just various data, like what, uh, what file type it is, stuff like that. Now, EXIF data can be altered very easily. I will admit to that. But uh, it still bothers me that they were never able to um, recover one of the deleted photos when I know for a fact that it's not difficult. To me, this is really strange that whoever photoshopped altered the EXIF data, like, they knew all of those steps. They knew what they were doing. Exactly. They knew they were deleting one photo. Yeah. They knew that when they were changing literally the timeline of the photos. I mean, I think that they literally changed, like, the name of it to make it look like a different order. Mm-hmm. Because the lighting just doesn't match up. Wow, look, two podcasters who uh, solved that one faster than uh the police. Yeah, and I don't I don't think the police are paying attention to this. Um, but I will put gotta get to my theory, man. Like um we're almost there. Not really, but we'll get there. I was ready for your theory like an hour ago. I know. I don't I wanna give everybody the facts though. Yeah, yeah. I wanna make sure that's clear, so we don't care about facts here. I'm just kidding. Exactly. No. Um for real though, um I will say that the type of foliage that the girls are standing in front of is pretty difficult to Photoshop well. So if these images are photoshopped, the person who did them had a good idea of what they were doing and was smart enough to, like I said, change the EXIF data as well. With that being said, why heavily Photoshop one photo? I mean, they deleted another photo. Why not just delete that one as well? Yeah, it would be a lot faster just to delete them. Like Exactly. Man, I don't, like, do you even have any suggestions why they would just, like, Photoshop it? My theory is that somebody might have been in the photo that they didn't want to see. My other theory is that the girls were never on that hike at all. Okay, so they just Photoshopped the girl into the hike to make it... I think it, I think it could have happened, yeah. Yeah, that's the theory that I would go with, because that makes most sense. I think that they had a narrative that they were selling. Yeah. Of what happened to these women. My other theory, like I said, is that perhaps the photo wasn't original. Most of the photos the public has their hands on, so, I mean, I really can't ever confirm if these weren't altered after the fact. So let's go over some possible theories that could have happened. I know we've already touched like some basic ones, but let's really dig into the ones that actually have potential. Mm-hmm. Our first theory is that the girls took on a hike that they just couldn't handle. But this theory really does not sit right with me. Both girls are described as being in shape, and this hike should have been no problem for the two to complete. I guess Lysane did have a cold or possible asthma, but I really find it hard to believe that they would continue with their hike past the summit if her symptoms were persistent. Typically, making summit means you've already made it to the highest elevation of your hike, and that's typically where you'll experience elevation sickness or asthmatic attacks. 
I'm not saying it can't happen later on, but it just seems like if it were to happen, that it would be during this initial summit. Not to mention, it was only one hour to the summit. And I mean, I should say, it could go anywhere from an hour to four hours based on how athletic you are. But even with these symptoms, the girl could have turned around and made it back to Bouquet, which we know they didn't do. Yeah, I don't like this theory. These girls seem like they could have finished or, you know, known that they had to turn around if something were to happen. If this is what happened... I don't think they would have immediately called 911. Yeah. I think they would have, one of them, at least one of them, would have gotten back for help in time before nightfall and gotten their friend help if they had to. Yeah, that makes more sense than the whole ass theory does. Yeah, something happened on this hike and it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Based on the timeline we're able to piece together from the girls' series of photos, we know that they did continue further down the trail after the summit, which would have taken a little over two hours and again this could vary two to probably five hours mm-hmm. now there are loads of sources saying that continuing past the summit is extremely dangerous however after doing some digging i've learned that panama only took that narrative up after the girl's disappearance at the time this happened continuing past the summit was common because it leads to some waterfalls yeah okay well That one sucks too. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of bothers me because they acted like they already had this narrative before the girls went past Summit, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah, like they're basically victim blaming. They absolutely are. And while we're discussing the waterfalls, let's move on to theory number two. Many believe the pair simply became lost after deciding to continue past the Summit and find the waterfalls. This is another theory that does not sit well with me. Based on the girls' call logs, we know that they called emergency services very quickly during the hike. It was literally still light out, and they had time to turn things around if they were lost. It is very uncommon for hikers to call emergency services so quickly. I mean, they're far more likely to walk around and try to find something that looks familiar or call someone nearby who could help. And we know that they also checked Google Maps at the summit. As far as I can tell, they never attempted to use Google Maps again. So how could they be lost? Yeah, and we know, like, being lost happens frequently to hikers, but, like, I agree. It just, I don't know, with all of the information we do have, this just doesn't make sense. Exactly. And I find it hard to believe that the girls wouldn't know how to make it back to higher ground in order to find service and call for help if they were simply lost. I mean, you should be able to see the summit. Theory number three still revolves around the waterfalls. A blogger in Guatemala attending the same volunteer program was told by the Spanish instructor that two young women had gone missing in a sister school in Bouquet. She claimed they had left all of their things and told no one where they were, and that they were last seen talking to two strange men making plans to see the waterfalls. Now this would be news to us. There is a photo that circulated that many believe or that many have the belief was Chris and Lassane with two strange men swimming by a waterfall. The photo is literally so overexposed that it's hard to say who's in the photo at all. I also find the teacher's statement to be a bit he said, she said, because we know that the girls did let several people know where they were going. 
we also know that the school had recommended the hike to the girls. And also, I feel like at this time, there wasn't enough information for you to just be like, this is what happened. Exactly. I think it was very much like a teacher in a different country on the, you know, the same company just happened to like hear rumors. Telephone yeah, it was kind like of tel- thing. Yeah, I was just gonna yes. <laughs> Oh my god. Exactly. <laughs> So let's expand more on the school in theory number four. Some people believe that the teacher at the volunteer company was actually working together with criminals because it was very strange how she confirmed their volunteer work was secured multiple times, yet when they arrived on the assignment, they they had immediately been turned away. Not to mention the ball was consistently dropped. The girls were never reassigned, even though the school had connections for multiple level living arrangements. (laughs) and work opportunities. The directors were consistently unavailable, and despite making it sound like the school was only a short walk away from their room, it was actually outside of okay, so it's not likely they could just drop in whenever to check check out what's going on. So, like, where does the criminals tie in, though? And we're about to get into that in theory number five. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was like, wait, did I miss something? No. Which is the one that I lean towards the most. I think it's safe to assume we all agree that these women were not the only ones in the jungle that day. Mm -hmm. After the girls take their last hiking photos of one another, there are only nighttime photos of the surrounding landscape and the back of Chris's head, which you really can't see her. It's just like her hair. To someone looking at these photos, they almost seem random, but there is a clear pattern as if someone is trying to show us important information. One of these photos features a rock with a torn red plastic bag featured in photos from the girl's room previously. On the rock, there is a number five written. It's small enough to almost miss it, but it almost seems to be a tag of some sort. Do you think like the girls were trying to warn people? Like, I think they were trying to tell us who did this to them. This could have been a mark left by the local gang, La Banda, also known as Los ND5, who were very active during the time of the girl's disappearance. Man, this is terrifying. It is. And this theory tracks the most because there were seven men who were questioned during the initial disappearance. The seven men were released, and I quote, within minutes, according to a news article I found. But I did use a translator, so the wording might seem off because of that. So, like, what did they say? Did you do it? And the guys were like, no. And they were like, okay, bye. Exactly. I find it really concerning your interviews last a minute. Yeah. Like, in our in our country, the interviews can go for, like, a week. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is absurd. Three members of the Lost ND5 died shortly after the disappearance of Chris and Lassane, along with the taxi driver who brought them to the beginning of the trail the day of their hike. Eh. Bit suspicious, right? right? More like, that's like over suspicious. Like, that's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Someone was trying to shut him up. Like, dead ass. Yeah, and we're gonna talk a little bit about how they died, because... Because it should have been deemed a homicide. They're all very, very similar and very scary. Yeah, okay. Osman Valenzuela? Do you want to try that one? Valenzuela, I think. Thank you. 
died shortly after assisting in search efforts by what has later been deemed an accidental drowning despite clear signs of a homicide. Mm, man. His body was actually found in full rigor mortis. And you can, you can find the photos online and it is very bizarre because his arms and his legs are positioned up. Like, I don't know. It reminds me of like a cat. It's really creepy. But this is a typical sign that the murder happened elsewhere and then he was moved. Hmm. His autopsy report did not show any water in the lungs, which is a little weird considering, I mean, he drowned, right? Okay, full stop right there. That shouldn't even be like how it was ruled if there's no fucking water in the lungs. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sorry, like he's in the water. Like we're not going to say that he dried you know drown or whatever i don't is that even a thing dry drowned oh yeah shit you can so you can like inhale too much water and you can drown later on kids do it a lot but like it still has water in your lungs though so right yeah but it's harder to detect i guess oh okay and i mean i think they'd be able to tell the difference too well i don't feel like they can tell the difference for anything at this point no i mean i don't think they're really trying (laughs) during his funeral it was interrupted by a, by gang members harassing the family. <laughs> and there are blogs describing how his body was beaten to death with rocks and possibly tortured. A much different picture than what the police had told mainstream media. Right there is completely suspicious. Like, why are the gang members harassing somebody at a funeral? Exactly. Unless they had something to do with it. Exactly. This whole thing is wrong. Why was this never looked into? And also, like, don't come for us, gang members. <laughs> yeah, please don't. And I could not find an exact date, but one year after the disappearance of Lysane and Chris, another gang member named Jose Manuel Murgis, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering these names, was a victim of a hit and run that also seemed very suspicious. He was run over at 4 a.m. and his body wasn't reported until later in the morning. The driver was never found. This screams gang rivalry to me. Oh, it screams it. In March 2015, George Riviera Miranda was found face down on the side of a riverbank. His body is literally half out of the water and he could have easily just like moved his fucking head to avoid drowning. Yeah, that's where he was like (laughs) murdered. Yeah, and you can see photos of all of these if you guys are interested. I will put them in the show notes. Despite signs of foul play, his death never seemed to be properly investigated. He was another member of the Five Gang. So, I wonder if, like, the police knew he, like, these people were members of the gang and just kind of like, oh, I mean, it's just gang rivalry. We don't have to do anything about it. I love this so much because you're slowly coming to the theory that I came up with. And obviously there is also the theory of, like, they paid off police, but, like... That could happen. And I know sometimes that when they're investigating a case for a really long time, when it's something like that, they try to wait until they can get them for more. But I don't think that's what's Mm -hmm. happening here because, I mean, this is still going on. Oh. One year later, on March 2nd of 2015, the taxi driver, Leonardo Gonzalez, who dropped the girls off at the beginning of their hike, was found drowned in mysterious circumstances. While it didn't seem to ever be ruled a homicide, his drowning didn't really make any sense because the location had no current, and it was very well known that it was easy to swim. 
The taxi driver may have witnessed the suspects unknowingly, as it was later found out when he transported Chris and Lassane, two men were already in the car. When they heard where the girls were going, basically they, um, in, in Spanish, they said they wanted to be dropped off at the trail as well. And I'm not going to attempt to say it. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> so that is completely, like, terrifying. Like, if I saw yes. two guys in the car, I'd be like, nope, we're fucking the nope out of here. Well, and I know that the girls knew, like, the name of the trail in Spanish. So I know, like, I'm sure they could have been like, okay, fuck, like, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe they knew them? I don't know. They, I don't think that they did. Because they they just happened to be, like, in the taxi getting a ride, too. Like, I guess they pick up multiple people. So. Like, a ride share, almost. Little confused. The taxi driver, Leonardo Gonzalez, mm-hmm. he's the same one that the gang members were at the funeral harassing people, right? He was no, like a- that was our first guy that died. He was just a part of the gang. Oh, okay. I definitely thought he was the taxi driver. So. No, sorry. Nope. Just a part of the gang. This is the taxi driver. So we've had, we just went over like four okay. people. Yeah, I thought died. you were talking about the taxi driver. No, twice, sorry. I was, like, I was like, no. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it was chalked up as a coincidence, but I mean, I can't shake the feeling that maybe they were killed because they were thinking about talking. Yeah. I mean, if they're all in this gang and this taxi driver dropped them off. And these two men were never identified that he dropped off with them. Yeah, I mean, also, Leonardo Gonzalez, we already know he talked to police because he was telling them about the times. Exactly. So they probably, like, to shut him up or whatever. Some argue that the five looks like an S and was a poor attempt at writing SOS. But if you look at the photo, I'm not sure what fucking realm that is an S and not a five. Not to mention... At this point, they still had their Canon camera with video capabilities, and that particular model was known for probably the longest battery life on literally any camera. Even after 10 weeks, investigators said that the camera batteries still had not fucking died. They could have used video to tell their family anything they wanted. If they were just lost, why didn't they do that? This has, like, I'm being held hostage written all over. Exactly. Not to mention, if this were an SOS sign, why write it so fucking tiny in a difficult-to-find spot? It's, like, super small. (laughs) Yeah, someone was literally trying to hide it from someone else. Yeah. Others argue that the girls were likely using their camera flash to signal for help, as a helicopter was likely making rounds during the time these were taken. Which I still don't buy. These photos may seem random to others, but when you spend time really digging into this case, they are purposeful and they have a clear pattern. Yeah. Someone was trying to tell us something. Yeah, if you're just, like, randomly happening upon all of this information, sure, it's random, but once you, like, piece it together, yeah, no. Either they were trying to tell us something or those photos were taken by somebody else, and I don't know which it is. To further back this claim, a private detective, Martin Ferreira, who was hired by expats in Bouquet became so obsessed with the case that he actually continued to investigate even after he was no longer being paid. He believes that the girls had continued down the trail after the summit to party and spend the night in some kind of hut before heading back on April 2nd. They would get a ride to a hostel where several witnesses saw them and the situation would turn dangerous for the girls and the two boys who were later murdered as well, Jose and Osman. He believes that the girls were murdered, dismembered, and the culprit created a false narrative to confuse investigators. So hold up. 
he thought like the girls went on the trail but like they made it back yes he believes that he went on a trail and that those two men that were dropped off with them potentially offered for them to come to a party but that party would have been like this like kind of hut thing like i think they had they could have taken a trail to there but then he believes they went to a hostel after huh and there are witnesses saying they saw them at this place so there's a chance that you know they died somewhere else and that they were taken back there their bones and stuff other suspects include a tour guide known by the name of f of feliciano tours which we talked about previously F showed up Mm -hmm. to meet the girls at the Spanish school on April 2nd to take them on a tour. The girls never arrived, so they contacted their host family within a few hours. F and Aline were at the host family's house and entering their bedroom in search of them. They spent some time in the home looking for clues and having access to their items. As mentioned previously, during an interview, F mentioned their cell phones, backpacks, and chargers were in the bedroom, but they were later found in the backpack by the river. So going to the like the party and everything would make sense because like I'm still confused about how he had such a relationship with them like it seems. I am too. F also made himself available for all the searches and was <laughs> even the one to bring the backpack to investigators. Not to mention his son has been described as psychotic in various blog posts. Hmm. Well, and this ties into my theory as well. We all know that typically murderers go back to scenes of crimes or try to make themselves available. Exactly. He wants to seem helpful, and most of all, he wants a reason for any of his DNA to be there. And also, he probably just wants to make sure nothing was missed, so... Exactly. Another guide who made himself available for all searches posed in a very similar way as Chris in the exact same spot on the trail just days later. And while I do believe he really might have been mocking her pose, and that the photo was probably taken purposefully, that seems to be the only evidence we have against him, and I mean, that isn't much. I feel like that's very distasteful. It really, it really, like, bothered me so much. These girls went missing and you're mocking the pose? Exactly. Fuck off, dude. But do you want to know what I think? I fucking wanted to know what you thought <laughs> an hour and 18 minutes ago. I know what you, <laughs> I know you want to know what I think. I think that the Panama's government doesn't want us to know what happened. Ooh. This reminds me so much of the Dingo Ate My Baby case because Panama wouldn't want anything to happen that would sway tourists from fueling their economy. I think that the police may be to blame for altering of those photographs and even deleting some of the evidence. I mean, they saw it before the Dutch ever got their hands on it. And if this was really gang activity, would they want them to know the entire picture? I mean, typically you can recover an SD card's deleted photos, but they couldn't even recover that one. Not to mention the order seems completely altered. Yeah, and I don't know. I feel like that's a great theory because we all know that, like, if crime gets out of hand, it's basically a pandemic. Like, Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, they aren't exactly a well-put-together country, they don't want us to think worse of them. They need us to keep coming to fuel their economy. And definitely this would probably make it so they lose a lot of money because if women actually knew what was really happening... Exactly. (sighs) 
man. And I also think that maybe F had something to do with it, but I don't think that he killed them. I think that his son was involved in the gang, and I think his father was covering up for him. Okay. Just the way they comment that he's psychotic, that he potentially had connections in the gang. Hmm. It just seems to kind of add up, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, I know for sure that F, like, did something. Like, it's just weird that... Exactly. and He's so involved. And we do know that there is a review that has been left on TripAdvisor about F and how she was solo traveling during her tour guide and he became very inappropriate. And he began touching her and he implied that he would cut her legs off with a machete. But luckily she was able to get out of the situation. Wow, well that escalated. And something that especially bothers me is how all of his reviews that are five stars seem to be written in the same tone of voice. I don't think they're real. Like, he paid somebody or he's making them himself? I think so. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I spent hours looking through my Girls Love Travel group to try and find anybody who has toured with this man. And I can't find a single comment about it, which is very weird to me because... Panama is highly traveled by these women. Like, they know the safe places. They know what to do. We help each other out. And typically, if we've used a tour guide and somebody asks, we comment about it. And yet, I can't find a single woman who has mentioned touring with this very popular guide. I would, if I were you, to, like, just ask, like, hey, has anybody, uh traveled with this guy i thought about that and i might but i didn't want to take away from all of the helpful comments right now um that are out there for ukraine women and people trying Mm. to get out of the country because that is a very big theme right now of people just offering like if you need somewhere to stay we're here and i just don't even want to go there but when it calms down i really might do that because i just want to know has anyone traveled with this man if you have contact us Mm-hmm. please contact us i want to know your story if it went well even contact me there's just so much to this story there's no way for me to know if f was even involved or if he really was just being helpful i'm not a detective i have no idea if this is a cover-up but i mean there's got to be something look at all of these gang members who clearly died via homicide and we're just ignoring it i mean there are still people dying to this day from what appears to be gang activity in very similar ways. Very similar looking woman. I mean, there are so many cases that might be connected to this that we will actually be doing a whole other podcast episode where we just highlight these women who are going missing in Panama. Because I think it's important that they get just as much attention as this case has. Yes, and I mean, it's such a beautiful country, but you guys just be safe out there. It is. Make sure you study the culture, join groups, ask questions, really review those tour guides. And if we have any updates on this case, I will definitely do another episode to make sure that we make it known because I am fucking obsessed. And I want to make a disclaimer to that. Me and Jacqueline try to be as sensitive to subjects as we possibly can. Always. You know, our theory is just a theory. There's just theories out there. There's nothing, like, in stone about this case. But, I mean, if you know anything, if you've seen anything... Contact the Dutch police. Dutch police. 
because they're yeah. gonna do more than Panama is. Like I said, it's just a theory, so Panama, yes. don't come for me. But I just think you guys might have dropped the ball a little bit. At the very least. Somebody's gotta call them out because... Someone has to do something. What the fuck is this? And we're just here to make this known with our 20 followers. Thank you. Spread <laughs> the word. We share, love you <laughs> Share the podcast. Please. But this, I mean, this was a really good one. This was interesting i've never heard about it so yeah i'm really excited about this episode give us your guys's feedback give us your theories if you haven't looked at this case in a long time please just look at the case um there's a blog that i'm gonna put in our show notes this girl has been on this case since like day one she is on top of it there are so many theories on there she has so much evidence listed her blog is amazing. So just check her out. I mean, she doesn't, she literally doesn't make any money off of the blog. Like she purposefully doesn't. She says that if you want to donate, that you can donate to like these certain agencies and stuff, but she doesn't want money. So she's the real deal. Check her out. Um, she is probably the biggest reason I was able to put so much together for this case. And I like really appreciate her. Do you know what really grinds my pickles? What grinds her pickles? The fact that the internet is so powerful. Like, you can see it, it in the U.S. with, like, the Gabby Petito case. Like, Oh, absolutely. If the internet gets pissed the fuck off, they make a change. And I just really wish that there was a better way for people to be involved in cases like this. Because nobody's doing anything. I do, too. And, you know, I really think that that's where podcasters come in. I mean, there have been cases that have literally been just brought back from the dead. They literally resurface because podcasters get people pissed off. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to do. We need to be mad when these cases go cold, even though there's so much evidence. This could be solved probably, but something is holding us back. Yeah. And I want to know what it is. And if we get mad enough about it, if we keep sharing this case, it will get solved. And I mean, look at how many times Diatlov's pass has been looked over again and again mm -hmm. because nobody will let it die. We just need to stop letting cases die. Yeah. That's the part that we all can have in this. And I wish there was more we could do. But until we're able to do more, I think this is a good place to start, guys. Get pissed off. Share podcasts. It doesn't matter how small they are. And don't get me wrong. Some podcasters out there are real shit. They just don't care about what they're talking about. They're not sensitive. Oh, yeah. It totally happens. So, like, we're not saying all podcasters are good, but they're also not all bad. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all trying for at least one common goal, even if we're not delivering in the best way all the time. We all just want stuff to be solved, and we're... A lot of us are just interested in morbid things, but that's not necessarily bad. Yeah. Somebody has to be interested to get this shit I done. I mean, I guess it all depends on how you go about situations. Yeah. So, yes, it's still people's lives, but also more lives can be taken. So, let's do something. Yeah, let's let's do our part to to get media going and get these solved. And that's all we can do right now, but... I don't know, hopefully doing this podcast makes a difference, but if not, at least more people have heard about it and can come up with their own theories to maybe help it along. Yes, absolutely. But until next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye.